This episode brought to you by Gorebox, the only monthly subscription box that gives you horror fans what you want. Actual gore. When you sign up, you will receive a box each month filled to the brim with human and or animal blood, flesh, and organs. The fellas down at Gorebox have the inside scoop on where to find the latest hard-to-find blood and guts. Whether it's from roadkill, autopsies, or your neighbor's little secret, they source it, box it, and send it to your doorstep. Sign up today for yourself or surprise a friend with a monthly subscription. That's Gorebox. Sign up today at allgore.com. That's A-L-L-G-O-R-E dot com. Use promo code HMT at checkout to receive refrigerated shipping. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk, an opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show. Your panel of expert hosts each week are Dr. Bryce Hansen, who holds a PhD in Spoogology, and Professor David Day, the foremost expert in Scare-No-No's. New theatrical releases always get priority, but we also review older horror movies, both good and horrible. And I am Bryce Hansen. Fuck! I'm David Day. Every time. It wouldn't be a horror movie talk episode if you didn't forget my levels. Alrighty. So, before we get started, please check out our website, horrormovietalk.com. All one word. There you'll find links to all our social media uh, accounts where you can... Follow us and communicate with us. We will definitely talk to you if you talk to us. We post new episodes every Wednesday, so please subscribe. And if you're an Apple user, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, please. If or we got iTunes. Sometimes you can give, leave a rating on both. If you just take the time. you got to scroll all the way down to the bottom of the, of the list of episodes to leave a rating. But just leave a rating. It's fine. If we got every just random listener to take like 20 seconds to tap on a star that would really help us out we're trying to get to 200 so we can uh, be qualified for (laughs) rotten tomatoes we got a great show today we are going to talk about color out of space Ooh, is this the one starring nicholas cage did you know he's uncredited what <laughs> on IMDb it gives the full cast and then it says other cast in in parentheses uncredited. What? That's absurd. Yeah, I don't know if he's actually credited. Speaking of of weird credits, last night on Shutter I was watching Tina uh uh, uh t- Tina t- Tequila's no t- Tina Scary Funhouse no not Tina Tammy and the and the dinosaur or oh, something yeah? like that. Yeah. How is it? Tammy and it's Tammy and the T-Rex. Tammy and the T-Rex. And it's fucking absurd with Denise Richards. But I caught the tag end of it and it's so silly and funny. Yeah. But then the credits roll and the first credit says Denise Richards. Now, the name of the movie is Tammy and the Uh T-Rex. They have it as like Tina. Her name is Teen. Uh, like they misspelled her name in the credits. I was so shocked. Uh, but it's exactly the kind of movie that would misspell the lead actress's name in or uh, character's name in the in the credits. And anyway. I had a coworker make a request of, a, or he told us like we should review this movie, and I came across it on Amazon. It's called 
the Velocipaster. Yeah, the Velocipaster, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is kind of along the lines as uh, Kung Fury or maybe Tammy and the T-Rex. I took the I took the steam out of the start of this episode, but but The Color Out of Space starring Nick Cage is what we're going to be talking about today yeah. and it's fucking crazy. Yeah. So we're going to start out by giving a brief review and our score for the movie. We score on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a miserable dredge, and 10 being so good it transcends genre boundaries, 5 being completely completely average. You know how 1 to 10 works. After we give our score, we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the film. Uh, not much to hate about this one, though. No. Lots, no, lots of good stuff so. going on. So yeah. later on, we're really excited to have an interview segment with Tara Westwood from The Grudge 2020. I can't believe we got tara this is she is such a sexy good-looking lady and uh and not only that she's uh she's a great actress yeah we reached out to her on twitter because she had liked and retweeted our grudge review tweet and she's been gracious enough to accept an interview request and we had a lot of fun talking with her and we will share that with you uh later on in the show and We'll be playing a new game <gasps> exclusively for this episode called Finicked or Fication. Okay. I, I, it sounds like a play on fact or fiction. Oh, you got that, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. I'm glad it comes through. Finicked or Fication. Just one, one episode only game, probably. Oh, okay. Unless we do um, The Wicker Man. Well, let me just show you my tummy God and boobies. Damn. There you go. You like that? I was so excited to use you for your body. Mm. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I got a lot of nice clips out of the crawl episode. Yeah, you sure did. Um, and if you're a patron, uh, check out the uh, the shared folder. You'll have access to such gems as... Chompa Chompa. And... Oil me up, Daddy. It's dinner time, and I'm a little soup boy. Chompa Chompa. Oil me up, Daddy. Oops. My skin's a tingling just thinking about this spooky tale. And more. So, um, yeah, let's get into the review. We went and saw a screening, so it makes us feel special. Yeah. It was a couple days early. We saw a screening of Color Out of Space, and it turns out the color out of space was purple. Kind of purpley. Yeah. A little bit of green thrown in. Oh, I should have said spoilers. I think we just ruined oh, it. Yeah. Sorry, guys. That's that's the review. Bye. Bye. Okay. Um, let me pull up the trailer. I didn't prepare enough for this, but whatever. YOLO. I'm living that YOLO life. Bryce always living that YOLO life. You should see him when he's like shaving and stuff. It's dangerous. He just uh, he just grabs the straight razor with his fingers. And just runs it down. He's so good at it that he never cuts himself. He's got that baby bottom fresh skin. Okay, here's the trailer for Color Out of Space. We'll include a link or a embed of the trailer on our post if you want to check it out at horrormovietalk.com. Look at this. All those years in the big city, we finally got out. We're living the dream. Maybe it is a dream.
everything just blew up. Big flash, like a pink light. Or actually, I don't even know what color it was. It wasn't like any color I'd ever seen before. Looks like a meteorite. It's radioactive. I mean, it's from space, right? Meteorites are generally no more dangerous than ordinary rocks. How can something that big just disappear? Did you plant those? No. Ward, you come here for a sec. Oh, God. What are you doing? Shh. It's talking to me. Who's talking to you? It's in the moisture. It's in here. Is out there. And what's out there is in here now. Everything's under control. Why are you so in denial? That thing from the meteorite changes everything around it. It's just the color. Oh! Can you believe me now? I don't know what I believe anymore. Everything's going to be a okay. Everything's going to be a okay. So, Color Out of Space can be found in select theaters. I don't think it's a wide release yet because when I checked, it was only at about three theaters right now for us. Yeah, Yeah. for us, it's in like the Kiggins and the Hollywood, which are not, uh, you know, not big. They're independent. They're indie indie theaters. So. Both of them are, are great, yeah. by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw it at Cinema 21, if you're in Portland. Yes, we did. They're also great. Theater. Color Out of Space is a documentary of a normal Tuesday night for Nicolas Cage. <laughs> sorry, sorry, it's that's, a, it's, that's wrong. It's uh, quickly becoming a normal Tuesday uh, night. Sorry, it's actually based off of an H.P. Lovecraft short story of the same name. The film tells the story of the Gardner family living on a remote homestead inherited by the patriarch Nathan, played by the old god, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> the rest of the Gardners are the Mother Teresa... Uh, the daughter Lavinia, the two sons Benny and Jack. Go to IMDb if you want to know who played them. Because Jack I, was the older one, right? Jack was the young one. Oh, um, my apologies. Um, one night, a meteor from space, space! <laughs> <laughs> crashed in their front yard, and it infects the space-time continuum with a color that has never been seen before, but is somehow nefarious. You might be asking yourself. How do you film a story that revolves around the concept of a color that hasn't been seen before? Well, that's a good question. I don't have an answer, but I can tell you that Richard Stanley, the director and writer, has somehow pulled it off. Yeah, it's it's um, it's kind of what he ended up pulling off was kind of the color of an oil slick. Yeah. I mean, just a lot of like weird refraction stuff and computer like alteration stuff yeah. is translucence mixed with um, mixed with like tra- uh, it's not translucent. Translucent is see through. Tr- mm-hmm. tr- tr- what, what's the word? Opaqueness. I'm, not opaqueness. Opacity. I'm thinking of like the colors you see on a hummingbird. You know how they're um, 
refractory. Yeah. Or is that well, they're all shiny in a weird sort yeah. of rainbowy sort of way, where if you look at them one way, it's one color, and if you look at them another way, it's kind of another yeah. color. So as part of this screening, they played before and after kind of the um, – they did a screening in L.A., and it was emceed by Patton Oswalt. And then mm-hmm. afterwards, they had a Q&A with Richard Stanley and Nicolas Cage. And it actually ended up being the, the rest of the cast. The most well. quirky people I've ever seen <laughs> put together in my life. Uh, so uh. Richard Stanley in that in the post Q&A talked about how the color, I mean, if we're getting into specifics, he said it was like a combination between magenta and pink and with a little green laced into it at times. So looks pretty cool. Anyways. The takeaway is it's a visually stunning film. Yeah. Um, in trying to portray that color out of space. Uh, this is probably one of the best depictions of cosmic horror that I've ever seen on film. Yeah. Not that I've seen many, but this is one. This one is actually a really impressive adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft. It falls in the very specific genre of a weird tale that most recently was represented in theaters by the lighthouse. Yeah. It is in the same space as that. Yeah. There are, you know, it's very respectful for the source material, even though it's set in modern, this is a really good example of adaptation because it's set in modern times. It like changes enough for it to be relatable. HP Lovecraft is not super relatable to general audiences. For several reasons, I mean, well, maybe I'm just saying that because it's not relatable to me. I could no, never get no, through. No, I, I think there's an element of truth to that for sure. Um, but it treats the source material really respectfully. There are direct quotations from the original short story and monologue. Um, the tone is very Lovecraftian, um, except for two aspects. One, it's set in modern times, and two. It's not told via a third-person recounting of a third-person recounting of another third-person account. Right. Like, that's that's classic Lovecraft, where it's just like, this has to be retold in the most confusing way possible. It's, I don't, I really hate that perspective. Like, I think they do that in, like, Dracula, too, where it's like, oh, this is a news clipping of a coverage of the strange happenings and here's a journal excerpt from yeah there's a way to do it like really tastefully and then that's not confusing and i think quentin tarantino does kind of that method best where it's like you're watching a t a person watch a tv and then you kind of yeah come out of anyway yeah yeah um the parts that are very lovecraftian are the madness the the theme of corruption uh ineffective magical rituals which is always great like oh we'll combat the supernatural force that we have no understanding of with our black magic surely the the old knowledge will help us yeah turns out no um also the the character of a scientist that exists only to state that something is beyond science right yeah that, that character is very much a token character in this explicitly for that in more than one way (laughs) (laughs) um the corruption of the land and people happens very gradually but builds up to a crescendo of sensory overload that is really impressive 
It's a very visually impressive movie and definitely one that you might want to go to as high as balls. Yeah, this this movie, um, it, it was trippy as shit. Um, it really went from absolute abject zero, <laughs> like on the on the craziness meter, from like very comically normal to yeah. to boundaries that I felt uncomfortable in. Right, where things were so fucked up and so dreadful and so right. hopeless right that um it's i i've i don't think i've seen that scale like mandy is in a lot of ways very comparable to this movie uh-huh. but mandy starts out at like a good 60 on the weird scale yeah you know even the normal scenes with nick cage and, and mandy it's like it's yeah, there's something kind of weird about it's it. It's already know. stylized. Yeah. It's already like her eyes are fucking up and doing weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a drug trip from the beginning. This one starts off sober, stone cold, five-year-old sober. Uh-huh. And then it turns into, whew, it really goes. So what's your score for this thing? I'm giving it a really high score. Um, I'm giving it a nine out of 10. Like, it's uh, 10 is perfect and like this should win awards like i don't think that this is exceptional where everyone should go see this but it is a really really well-made movie and anyone that's into cosmic horror or even horror in general or just nick cage in general like definitely go see this movie this is yeah yeah, I was reminiscing about, you know, Cage's career, basically. Uh, right. And uh, I keep coming back to my my old favorite is Raising Arizona. Uh-huh. But, man, he's just he's just so well suited to this. It's it's yeah. it's inevitable that this would end up to be his lane, but I never would have seen it coming because it's so it's so it's so Cage. It's just He'll be like, he's a joke kind of, uh-huh. you know, but I really do believe that there's a spot for him in serious cinema history where in, you know, 20 years after his death, people will be like, that guy got a very core concept that others c- couldn't really touch or just didn't touch. No, absolutely. Roger Ebert was a huge fan of Nick Cage. Like he, he said, like he should be set up on a pedestal with like Robert De Niro and Marlon Brando and these, these people. It feels weird for me to say that. And I feel so validated by you mentioning that I'd had no idea. I'm not sure if Ebert was here to find the, you mean Siskel? No, Ebert. If, if he was the, the, uh, here for the super schlocky version of cage. Ebert's not dead. Yes, Siskel's dead. They're both dead. Oh, did Ebert die recently? A long time ago. Oh. Years ago. I didn't even know. Yeah, Siskel and Ebert, or Ebert.com has not had Ebert in it for a while. <laughs> um, anyways, um, yeah, I'm not sure how much of the schlock Nick Cage that he witnessed before making that statement, but it still stands. Like, if you see, um, like, Raising Arizona or Leaving Las Vegas or Adaptation, um, Actually, yeah, I, think, I think I think that comment was made around the time adaptation. of adaptation. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's great. It, it's and um, and Mandy and this like 
it's just um it's he's he's so specific and so good at what he's good at yeah and it's and he's such a fucking oddball too you know just in his personal life and like even the interview that he gave after the movie <laughs> that we watched he came up in something that would have made michael jackson embarrassed to wear <laughs> Um, well, I don't know about that. I do. I yeah. mean, Michael Jackson wore epaulets, but I, but yeah, point this taken, was, point this, taken. yeah, this was insane. He's just, he's just the quirkiest guy, but man, can he fucking act? And, yeah. uh, but it's a very, it's a very specific lane. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't disagree with your score. It's not necessarily so much my specific love, but right. it's, uh, I might go an eight or, or, but it does. It does feel so unique and different that uh, that it's it's wor- definitely worthy of a nine. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So before we get into spoilers, let's just take a minute and tell you about some special offers that we have for you that might help us out. Our Patreon, uh, you should check out. There's many different tiers at all um, monetary levels that come with perks for fans of the show anything from something as simple as just seeing our calendar of upcoming movies to being able to vote for um or a review and during the month or a perk that people really like is access to our afterpod a whole new podcast where we just leave the mics running after the show and shoot the shit about any and all things um also you can get access to a tier where you can get early access to an episode as soon as we finish editing it. Usually there's a couple days lead. All uh, Patreon-exclusive content. Hey, I have a question for you mm-hmm. relating to this very thing right now. Craig J., uh, one of our more recent uh, Patreon members, asks is asking us a question on Patreon right now. And because they're basically HMT royalty... He, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask it on air to you. Cause I don't okay. know the cool. question. He says one quick question, the whereabouts of the Google, Google calendar link to your upcoming shows. Where is that? Um, oh yeah. I need to send that out to the new patrons. So, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Patreon. And this might be interesting to people because <laughs> I don't know if I should divulge this information, but you can become a patron and have access to all the past posts before even paying for anything right like the payment goes through at the first of the month right uh, there is a setting where i can make that ch- change so it much. to immediate yeah, when they when if, they join but i'm not sure if people what that if people for, abuse it that's that's what we'll end up doing yeah. right. um but yeah so for the people that just join uh, i'm gonna hold off on giving like the full perks until they've actually paid that's like one of the things patreon recommends yeah best practices um, sort of thing uh, because they'll basically have access to it in perpetuity. Um, but yeah, after, after you make your first payment, um, if you have unlocked the tier, we'll give you access to a shared folder for all the drops for the show. You can have, you know, access to gems like ah, the French and, Oh fuck, not the woods. <laughs> Nothing good ever happens in the woods. <laughs> And is this a metal thing? Yes. So um, all that, we'll send you a link to that. Also a link to the calendar. All those like unlocked things will get you access to. Yeah. Gems like these for when you just need to, you know, you just need to coerce that girl you're with just a little bit. Mistletoe alert. Just just tell her there's a mistletoe alert and she'll be like, oh, it's time to kiss now. Yeah. So I do this 
one, I mean, for the selfish reason of like, I kind of want to get money before I give you the, the perk that you're signing up for. But second, like Patreon tells me to do it after they've paid so it reminds me like hey did you mention their name hey did you give them access to this hey did you do this and it's hard to remember i always ask david like did we mention this person because usually it notifies me a month later yeah (laughs) so yeah if you want the goods you gotta you gotta put up the money first anyways we've been talking about patreon a lot uh so other ways you can support the podcast, if you go to our website at horrormovietalk.com, there's lots of links to Amazon. There's one in the banner, and there's usually one in each post. Um, click through to Amazon. Even if you're not going to rent a movie or, or get the thing that's linked, if you buy any other thing or rent a movie, uh, we'll get a little taste of that. That helps out the podcast. Check out our resident artist, Dustin Goebel. He's a professional artist who fucks hard. He also takes commissions for artwork from HMT fans. Contact him on the ground at, the at D-G-O-E-B-E-L-0-0, D-G-O-E-B-E-L-0-0, on Instagram, and make your artistic dreams come true. Let him know that you found out about him at HMT, and check out our past posts for some of his fantastic artwork. My favorite is the last post um, that I did, which was Crawl, where he had the... Uh, the alligator with a speech bubble saying chompa chompa (laughs) also if you're gonna subscribe to shutter don't forget to use the code hmt at checkout to get a 30-day free trial as opposed to the shitty seven-day free trial don't don't be a schmuck don't be if i had a rope right now i'd take that seven-day free trial up back up next to the tree and mm-hmm. lynch it. Lynch it. Lynch that seven-day free trial. Thanks again for listening. Let's get into spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right, all right, all right. Uh, spoilers. So, I mean, there's lots of cool stuff to talk about with this movie. I've written down lots of things to talk about we might not get to all of them but definitely check out this movie it opens with a witchy woman in the style of stevie nicks doing a uh some kind of ritual around a circle of rocks oh yeah and then she's approached by our scientific like perspective the hydrologist our resident hydrologist yeah um apparently there's a reservoir getting set up and he's doing surveying for it i would like to mention immediately upon seeing the setting of this movie the the trees the foliage all of everything threw me completely off it looked like nothing i had ever seen anywhere it looked like similar to new zealand um uh you know oh right 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 flora which uh which threw me off and the whole way through the movie i was trying to figure out where the fuck did they shoot this and they shot it entirely in portugal and now now that makes sense because the several times i've seen footage of forests around very unique Mm. very different from even places that are quite near to portugal like spain it's just very different looking and so they chose a strangely just off from normal enough to make it exotic 
um, kind of kind of location, and that's Im- immediately apparent in the the flora in this movie. Like the, all the trees are just a little bit different than what you're used to looking at. So yeah. threw me off immediately. Yeah, um, and then we're pretty pretty quick after that. Nick Cage's character is introduced. I'll tell you what in the theater. There is a lot of love for Nick Cage. They were eager to love Nick Cage in it, this theater. It was the draw. You know, I, it, even to me, I was, uh, you know, I, after Mandy, it's like, and then hearing about this and kind of like seeing even just the movie poster for this, it's like, oh, and, and did, did, uh, did the director for this do Mandy? No. As well? No? No. Okay. Um, I think Nick Cage mentioned that the, I think it was the editor was the same ah, as on Mandy. Ah. Maybe the cinematographer. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, there is like any first inkling of Nicolas Cage being kind of kooky. Like everyone was like, <laughs> Nick, <laughs> they, they love him. And for good reason. Nick Cage is a lovable, you know, little character. Yeah. Um, Lots of great quality things. The The score on this movie is great. I, I will say at the beginning, it's a little obtrusive um, because it starts out very, very normal. And it's like just family life. But the score, for some reason, is like super eerie and spooky and weird. And it's like, all right, hold, hold up a little bit. Just like <laughs> just start out normal and then you can get into like the cosmic horror type of score. <laughs> There's a lot of great character development in this. This is like the type of movie that I love, where it establishes the family, like the relationships, it takes care with it, um, gives backstories that isn't necessarily going to be fleshed out, but gives a real like dimension. Each character is a character. They're not nameless people. The young teenage boy is, he's a bit of a pothead, but man, he's, he's, he's got a... Uh, just a heart of of right. gold. Yeah. Just a good kid. And then Tommy Chong, like, is playing Tommy Chong. <laughs> but nevertheless, he is he is a character that is that it's not fits like perfectly with Tommy Chong. Yeah, this is the type of character that would be played by um Randy Quaid. Yeah. In like the character that Randy Quaid played in Independence Day. <laughs> yeah. Is basically Tommy Chong's character, the crazy recluse yeah. guy. Um, but even yeah, like you said, but it's, even that character is like believable and a and a fleshed out feels fleshed like out feels like a person. Yeah, everybody, the hydrologist, the daughter, the young son, the mom, everybody makes sense, and I love them all. Even the mayor, even these tertiary characters. Yeah, there's are, relationships, there's backstories. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean the mayor was there for like one minute, yeah, and there was uh, there was already like a story between. Should let me buy your house when your parents died. Yeah, it's it's your problem now. So, lots of care. There's a really really good script. Like Richard, I think Richard Stanley wrote it too. Um, yeah, I can check on that. I, I'm I'm relatively sure, and so I don't know a lot of the history with Richard Stanley, but I know he's pretty beloved um the one major thing that i know about him is that he was the director for the island of dr moreau or you know one of i don't know if he got pushed out i think he might have been pushed out or his script was rewritten but anyways he had like a vision for the island of dr moreau and um what's his name 
um, Brad, Marlon Brando, Marlon Brando, yeah. and like Val Kilmer, like all these personalities just completely ruined it. And the studio stepped in, and like all these decisions, it just it was his baby, really, and it was taken away from him and made into like pretty a pretty notorious film. Like it's a bad movie, uh-huh. but apparently it would have been really good if Richard Stanley Richard Stanley was able to you know pull off his vision. And I think even the, the the guy that plays the main character in that has said like that specifically is like the original script is like masterful. And I look at Color Out of Space and I could see it like yeah. this this guy is a really good storyteller. And uh, you were right. He is one of the two writers, him and Scarlett Ameris. Yeah. Uh, and obviously H.P. Lovecraft upon which it is based. So a little like here's just one example of like. Sometimes it takes just a moment, yeah, for for you for to a movie realize to, for you to realize like the quality of a script, and sometimes that's what what is the difference between a great movie and like schlock or just a generic movie. Yeah. So, one of the backstories is that the mother, Mother Teresa, <laughs> yeah, uh, Teresa has just gotten over like a cancer scare. Like they, it sounds like she had a mastectomy, like had breast cancer. And I don't know. It seems like they, they it moved seems like out. she still might have it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, I can't remember exactly if she has it or not. I think but. she has it because that's how, that's how the movie starts is with the daughter, like you said, in the woods doing oh, witchy right. things yeah, yeah, yeah. and praying for her mom's cancer to be, to be kept away and for her to be kept safe. Right. So there's one line that she says it's an intimate moment with with her and Nick Cage's character what's his name again i can never remember the character names uh his his name is um whoa they don't you're right they don't um they don't credit him in imdb nathan so the nathan. the the oh, father's the father's character the nathan character they're having an intimate moment he's like trying to you know get some sexy times yeah. and he's like we haven't had sex in like six months like let's try maybe we can give it a shot and she we've all been there yeah <laughs> and you know she's not in the mood and she says this line that's just perfect which is i feel tarnished yeah like and wow. and there's a real emotion like instantly it's an emotional m- moment and i really felt it like you can really feel in that moment of like if you're trying to have sexy times with your wife and like stuff is off, you know, and there's like an emotional element of like getting over something. And like, it's very, I don't know. I had a lot of empathy for it. And just that line was like, that's a really good execution of that idea. I feel tarnished. It's a good point, And I'm going to, I'm going to drive it home even, even more for you. This movie, the cosmic dread, the existential terror really hinges on all of this on these characters being relatable on you feeling empathy on you being worried about the family it's the same reason hereditary works so well um for those for whom it it does work is you relate to them you go this is could be my family this is yeah this is anybody and uh but specifically this is Teresa living with nick cage and and I and I feel them both as as a couple. 
Yeah. And that makes where this ends up going so much more disturbing and impactful. Yeah. It's it, you have to have that element of this isn't fair. Like they don't deserve this. Right. Like this isn't this isn't right. It's whereas tragic. like if you don't care about the characters what's what's the movie like underwater like i keep going back to underwater because there's no character development none and you're like i don't care like it's might as well happen to that person right i mean it's gonna happen to someone right so might as well be that person you don't care like you you actually have you know you kind of build a emotional relationship pretty quick with, with all these characters so it's really really well done that way the little boy jack has a very strong danny torrance vibe to him yeah lots of shots of him like communicating with the unseen yeah kind of red rum in it all around yeah um so what happens is a meteor falls down from space oh shit <laughs> hold on from space <laughs> and i love it lots of real weirdness as that happens like distortions and people are affected in different ways and like danny or sorry not danny uh jack is like basically like blown back and something happens to his mind immediately and this meteor falls in their front yard it affects all the senses right next to their well yeah right next to their well and they have a classic well you know like think of a well like like from open uh, top yeah very irresponsible well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like from Snow White, the well yeah. from Snow White, same thing. Yeah. Um, so Nathan, the father, as this is happening, like it really involves, this is another example of the great writing. Same thing with like a, like the written word involving all the senses, the, even the ones that you can't experience. Because hmm. he says, you know, it smells or it smells bad. And he's like describing the smell. And he's like, I can smell it even now. Yeah. So it's like, Really, whatever it is, whatever that force is that's associated with this meteor and this color out of space, space. really affects all the senses in your entire person. Um, anyway, so it's it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool concept. Yeah, yeah, it is. And um, yeah, the more the more you mention it, the more it the, the more impressive it seems to me. Just because. Yeah, there. it's clear that there was a lot of direction around like, hey, this thing has to be like an assault on your senses. Yeah. So, and Cage hams it up, but appropriately, like right. he's holding this, but it seems to affect everyone differently. He seems to be the only one bothered, truly bothered by the smell. He's uh-huh. the only one who mentions it. Everyone yeah. else is like, yeah, okay, whatever. And he talks about the smell is like the same smell of cancer, of death. Yeah. And really like evocative language. That's what really makes it Lovecraftian. It's very, it's a lot of like. Descriptives. Uh, what what do you call that in, in literature when it's like. That's an You adjective. take two different concepts and you marry them together in, a, in an interesting way. Like Simile? No, it's like, if you say, it's like a type of metaphor, a very specific type of metaphor where you're evoking something from two different mm. so it's like the 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 sky was you know f- felt yeah you know like it was a a strangling bl- blanket or something like that yeah. and it's overcastness so it's like 
it's not just descriptive. It's like emotional, tying like an emotional or, oh, it's kind of like um, anthropomorphizing like uh, the the metaphor. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, there there is a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the one thing that <laughs> drew me out for just a second was apparently in this universe, people have never heard of a meteor. <laughs> like there's a moment where Nick Cage is like, there are these things called meteors that fall from space. space. And everyone's like, huh? Wow. Okay. Hmm. Meteor, huh? What a novel concept. Yeah. You mean there's things, this is like, this is like my dad just recently, uh, he decided to work on himself. Uh -huh. And so he went to, he went to one of these, uh, self-help seminars. That's essentially a cult. Um, made to take your money, made to separate you from your money, I should say. Mm -hmm. But it worked wonders for him because they brought up such heady concepts as the world doesn't necessarily <laughs> revolve around you and you're but a tiny mote of dust on a tiny speck in the middle of a gigantic universe in, in space. space. And, uh, and my dad... My dad's mind has been blown by this. Like, he's like, do you realize that we're just a tiny speck of dust? Do you like, realize nothing matters? Do you realize how small we are? I'm like, dad, every day, like since I was 10. <laughs> and he's like, no, what? You've thought about this once before? And I'm like, dad, every day. And he's like, huh, how about that? I'm like, you're almost 70. What have you been doing all this time? And he's like, I guess I just thought it was all about me. So this, uh, the meteor thing, I don't know, it kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. My dad, my dad'd be like, what the fuck? A me did you call it a me meteor? And you say it comes from space. space? <laughs> uh, I love it. So yeah, this, so this meteor comes down and the, the color is described as something that's never been seen before. And it throughout the movie you realize that not only is it like a color but it's it's literally like an alien force or an intelligence and uh it reminded me of did you ever read hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy yeah i did the it, one of our patreon members adrian is a huge fan like you'll never meet anybody who knows more about it than i me. i love that series it's oh, great man you guys it's the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy trilogy there's five books yeah um <laughs> In the first book, it mentions a alien race called the Hulavu, which are a super intelligent shade of the color blue. <laughs> and they attended the um, the inauguration of President uh, Beeble Brocks, okay. you know, being represented by a um, being refracted in a prism. So there's a super intelligent shade of blue. So, I mean, it's just kind of that concept of the, a color that you that humans can't see, but can see in this circumstance or something and it's nefarious somehow it metastasizes on earth yeah. it basically takes living things and alters them the way it the way you would imagine cancer might yeah a crazy like uh exotic cancer yeah um hulk cancer kind of a non sequitur right now and also in the movie are the presence of these alpacas <laughs> like nick cage is super super into these alpacas he's he's getting into homesteading he kind of fell into inheriting this 
this farm that he always told himself that he wouldn't inherit but his father died and left it to him and so now they're trying to get away from city life um teresa is as a high power stockbroker, and she's still trying to manage her clients high low so high yeah yeah but they're trying to like really do the homestead thing and, and make you know a life out there and one of the avenues that they invested in was these alpacas yeah that are just a fascinating animal that they're going to use for meat apparently and for milk and he goes into very much detail describing how, like, you know, you get it's not like goats, like milking alpacas. You gotta be, you gotta be tender. Yeah, yeah. Say hello to Snowball. Snowball says, "Merry Christmas, Patrick." What is it? It's a little baby piggy winky, isn't it? It's a Vietnamese potbelly pig. What is it? <laughs> it's an alpaca. <laughs> um. So yeah. And at the end of the movie, there's like a, a moment where it feels like Nathan is literally more concerned or really heartbroken by the loss of these alpacas than he is about the loss of his yes. his wife and child. <laughs> yes. About this time, it starts to become evident that this force, this meteorite, this uh, color is dramatically influencing not just not just small life like little bugs and um and the tomatoes around it you know but also also the people in close proximity to it so and it does it in all kinds of different ways not just not just physical manifestations of this like the tomatoes grow remarkably large uh or the bugs are particularly aggressive Weird, or something like yeah. that but also it seems to affect the way people think and act and time and time also like like it seems like some people are on one timeline and other people are in real time and never the two shall meet and so yeah. one of the one of the aspects of this is cage gets will occasionally get thrown off and he'll be very irrationally upset about something that isn't appropriate at that moment be worried about your family but he can't be because this thing has a control of him kind of yeah this color so this meteor basically disappears after one night it's struck by lightning and there's kind of melts into the ground yeah kind of yeah melts into the ground infects the the whole area and then like the next day you cut start seeing these weird flowers yeah. popping up little little strange colored flowers yeah like a color out of space space, space. space. so um they so that happens and then um it's kind of inferred and and said specifically by the hydrologist that it's gotten into the water supply. Yeah, it's, it's hit the water table or something like yeah, that. Because he sees like some kind of sheen on it. I'd like to mention that up until really up until this point, this is a comedy. This is funny and fun. It's it's also a bit of a drama. But no, no, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a family movie. It is a very much a family movie up until this point. There's a young girl who's kind of considers herself a Wiccan. There's the little boy who's just an innocent little boy. There's kind of the pothead older brother and the mom and dad who are appropriately very mom and dad like. And um, and it's so wholesome and so just just slice a life middle america kind of feel that uh that when it starts changing it it feels gross yeah and it's very gradual it's this so one this gradual. one is like a 
example of what the turning did wrong. The turning mm-hmm. like blew its load immediately and yeah. didn't know what to do with it. It's yeah. like I, I just came on my hands. What am I supposed to do? I just wipe it on your pants. Yeah. yeah. So um the color out of space color out of space, space knew exactly what to do and it's to play it slow. And it is really kind of like a also a Lovecraftian thing. Whenever I attempt at reading one of his stories, it's very, very slow. And by like the midpoint, I like look, I'm like, good Lord, can you get to the point? Yeah. Like we've been talking about the same thing forever. Yeah. But the reason for that is very specific to make the pace slow. And you're like, okay, come on. What's going to happen? What's going to happen already? Like get to it. Like, when it does happen, you're like, oh, oh, not not this. Yeah. Not this. Like, it's horrifying. Yeah. So that's definitely an element of, of this movie. So the, the water's water, contaminated. Yeah, the water's contaminated. It also affects people in different ways. Nick Cage takes a shower and it, like, gives them, like, radiation burns, basically. Um, people are drinking it and getting affected. There's, like, cats that turn into demon cats. And people are constantly finding these strange organisms that have no explanation and are just kind of one-off oddities. Little jellyfishes that sit in the bottom of the shower and clog the drain Yeah, uh, that are never seen again. Little praying mantises that run around and, like, just very strange, off-putting stuff. You mentioned a movie that's treats this kind of thing in a very similar way which is oh annihilation annihilation yeah 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 yeah. very similar to annihilation of like weird mutation stuff like this stuff shouldn't exist space time is getting altered yeah very very similar to that feels like earth has cancer almost yeah it feels like space time has cancer yes so um, sorry. It feels like, like space, space time has cancer. Right. Where it really culminates the first time where it really switches over is so. Here's exactly here's exactly what happens. The the okay. So the mom cuts her fingers off. Yeah, this is the second movie in a month. The second horror movie in a month that features uh, people absent-mindedly cutting their fingers off. So she's at the cutting board. She's chopping carrots. And she's cutting, 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 and it's very clear that she's not only haphazardly cutting, but also elsewhere. Like, her mind is not on the task at hand, (laughs) so to speak. And... And so she's cutting and cutting and cutting and she starts cutting into her own fingers. She cuts them. She cuts two of her fingers pretty, pretty good, pretty much halfway off. And, um, and the whole family freaks out. Nick Cage brings his wife to the hospital, which is far away from the impact zone of this, this Mm -hmm. meteorite. And, um, and the kids stay home. Bunch of weird stuff. The kids start feeling sick while while mom's away, and and then mom and dad come back, and oh my gosh, you kids are just you're you're letting the little boy stay out at night and mm-hmm. look at the well, and the dog has run away, and oh my gosh, the pack while mom and dad are away, the kids will play, mm-hmm. says um, Nick Cage, and uh, and the alpacas are out in the yard, so hey young boys go get those go get those alpacas get them back in the barn so the boys go to the barn they see something horrific has happened with the alpacas and then light starts all this strange color starts to 
chase them out of the barn. They run out of the barn, and the older boy oh, kind of right. okay. runs up the hill while the mother goes down to help the little boy who tripped or something. And right as she goes to help him, this ray of color, in like lightning strikes her coming out of the barn from the alpacas, like farting color at him. Uh-huh. And uh, and the most unfortunate thing happens, and this is really what kicks the movie into high gear. That's me. That's my low battery warning. Yeah, this is the turning point, and it goes on to full-on body horror. It is straight out of Cronenberg's The Fly. Um, The mother and Jack are fused, and it does a really great treatment of it to where it doesn't show you that much. Exactly what's going on. But it shows you, like, glimpses, and it looks like... There's like a melting off and there's like a puddle and they're basically fusing together and getting like Jack is getting resorbed into Teresa. And so that's like a pretty main thing that's happening for the last half of the movie Yeah, is that and how would you handle this? So it's, it's so, so that's, that's disturbing. Little, yeah. It's so alarming that... Because they're it's they're obviously in pain. They're th- yes, they play it so seriously, and it's so, and they're just moan. They're not able to make any words. Yeah, they- they're just moaning, and and we're not talking about like we're talking about like a seven year old kid like crying, like in yeah. agony. Fused, it's really disturbing. Fused to his mother's back, like inside of her chest cavity, just barely peeking out, like. Like, oh, it's so gross. Yeah. So here's here's my question to you and the the listeners. What would you do if your wife turned into a brundle fly? A brundle fly? What's this? Like that's from the uh the fly. Oh, okay. When it's is it brundle or brendel? Like he's the character that that's Jeff melded, Goldblum like play. Oh, he's melded his DNA yeah, yeah, is yeah. melded with a fly and so he he becomes not um Brendel, and he's not a fly. He's a Brendel fly. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So, what would you do if your if your wife was a Brendel fly? I don't even like that. I don't even like to think about it. Like that's that's so. Dis- I mean, I'd like to think that I'd kill her. Right. Uh, but because that's the situation you're put into. It's the same thing with like, oh, what if my what if my wife was like had a terminal disease and she was on life support and you're like, well, I mean, I know she wouldn't want that. Of course I would take her off life support, but like you get to the moment this, and you're like, no, that they still exist. Yeah. Once they're gone, they don't exist in this, in this world and, anymore. And this movie plays up the total grotesqueness of the whole thing. So well, like he's kind of like melting. He, mm-hmm. he like, as he kisses her the last time, like parts of his lip are sticking to yeah. her and there's all this, but there's like this true emotion that comes through between them where he's like, I love you. I'm going to make everything better. But he's, but fu- then he's, he's also like psychologically affected by the, the trauma and like not wanting to let go, but also, also the, the color, color. Yeah. Is, has him a hundred percent in its grasp. He's turning into his dad this whole time. He's, he's morphing into his father who was a mean, horrible man. Yeah. And, uh, and so he's, Occasionally, he'll be channeling his father 
yelling at people, telling them that they're not worth anything, making a very, very bad situation much, much more uncomfortable. And then sometimes he'll snap back into good dad mode. He's a regular guy who loves his family and has these tender moments. And it's just the the stakes keep raise it's the stakes keep raising like floodwaters it's just you can't you can't get your head above to get a breath of normalcy except when nick cage comes through with these hilariously strange deliveries uh-huh. of of just the most goof that's not i'm not related to these people it must be so freeing as an actor to be able to to go from super realistic to completely unhinged. Yes, like like insane. Yeah, he's he's losing his he, committable at those moments. And then you see Nicolas Cage in real life, and you're like, oh, he's exactly at the midpoint of those two extremes. <laughs> yeah, he, he's the only guy who can pull that off. And Aside say, from maybe Gary Busey. I mean, you'd say, oh, well, normal people are at the midpoint between insanity and, and uh, you know, normal. No, I guess not normality. So it, the scale would be like completely normal, realistic to completely insane. Right. And Nick Cage is right in the center there. Yeah, he, him and Gary Busey kind of... Well, Busey's a little bit too far into the insanity mode. Yeah. A little bit too far. Yeah. But you know what you can get from Gary Busey is lots of alliteration. Man, did you ever watch that 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 uh that reality TV show with Gary Busey? Uh and the, and the, I mean, I think I've seen clips of it. Oh, Just like the, best. the acronyms that flow off them like water. That was the best reality TV show that ever existed. It was the best. This guy was just constantly following Gary Busey around just being like, what? No, don't hurt me. Ow. And Gary Busey be like throwing like shit at him and laughing and like doing crazy. Today we're going to, you know, anything the producers mentioned to Busey, he'd just pick up and make more crazy and mm-hmm. just be like, yeah, we'll do that. It'll be great TV. Yeah. And Ugh, it was so oh, is weird. that where that clip comes from? Where he's like, "I'm not doing that. I'm, there's no way. There's yes. absolutely no way." And yeah. then it cuts to him doing it. Yeah, that's exactly where it comes from. Yeah, like two seconds later, he makes a full 180 degree turnaround. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I don't want to spoil too much about the ending. Like it's, it would really kind of ruin the movie if I tell you everything. But I'll tell you that it doesn't go well <laughs> for this family. Yeah, it's it really descends into full madness and like, full like despair and destruction there the mom uh and the and the son who are fused turn into a horrific there's a moment that is really disturbing uh (laughs) still gives me chills to think about them running across the floor oh yeah 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 really um so final recommendations for color out of space if you look if if you like this is people will talk about this the same way they talked about Mandy probably more so there's two more movies set in the works yeah um set both following 
the Lovecraft universe by this same director. Yeah, Richard Stanley says he has two movies in the works right now that are also Lovecraft adapt adaptations and that there will be kind of references between them. Their Necronomicon did make an appearance in this film. Um, and I think he said he's working on the Dunwich Horror yeah, right now. That was the, the, second the next movie. one. Yeah. And so, um, oh, one thing that I noticed uh, before we get into recommendations proper, one thing that I did notice is I uh, made a connection, which was on the TV, uh, there was occasionally news clips of like, oh, well, a meteorite fell, a local, <laughs> local oaf, uh, you know, a local oaf discovered it in his yard. And so... Uh, during one of those news clips, there's a, you know, there's a, a ticker tape along the top of the, along the top of the screen and it mentions cities, the weather in different cities. Uh -huh. One of them is Dunwich. Another one is Ipswich, huh. which is another town made up by, um, Lovecraft. Lovecraft. But also, if you recall our review of summer of 84 from a year ago, almost exactly, that was set in Ipswich, Oregon. So oh. a summer of 84 was giving a nod that I didn't realize to HP Lovecraft by setting their, uh, by setting, making the setting cool. in Ipswich, Oregon. Yeah. Anyway, as for recommendations, there's going to be more of these. This one was great. It was terror, terror, terrible and great. Yeah. And uh, I'd say definitely see this one in a theater. It is a yeah. really good experience if you can see it with other people. Yes. Experiencing Nick Cage in his full glory. He goes full Rage Cage um, in lots of these scenes. He sure does. Um, and you need to support movies like this. Yeah, like, for sure. Don't the don't go see Turning. Don't go see like Underwater, underwater yeah. or the latest Conjuring thing. Like this kind of movie really needs your money. Yeah, Cre movies with a creative vision that are pulled off really well with excellent story storytelling, excellent visuals that really raise the game. Yeah, um, definitely go see it. And I, I honestly think it's a much more relatable and entertaining movie than Mandy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that's that's absolutely true. Mandy is is definitely a feeling, and this movie is definitely a story. Yeah, yeah, it's both. Yeah, I mean. It's, yeah, the feeling and the, yeah, the yeah. story is there's both in there. So, mm -hmm. so those are our final recommendations. Now, we are going to have a very special interview with Tara Westwood from The Grudge. Today, we have the special honor of interviewing the lovely and talented Tara Westwood. Horror movie fans will know her from her most recent role in The Grudge 2020, which is still in theaters around the world, as well as some other horror movies you might have stumbled across on Amazon Prime, such as Hell Girl or A Haunting at Silver Falls. Welcome, Tara Westwood. Welcome. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Yay! <laughs> Studio audience goes wild. Thank you so much for joining Crazy. us, Tara. Yeah, thank you thank so you much. Thank you again for having me. Yeah, so just for our lit, I mean, our regular listeners know, because we got really excited when you liked and retweeted our post on Twitter about our grudge review. Um, mm -hmm. So... <laughs> 
as the the thirsty podcasters we are, we reached out to you and asked if we could get an interview because that's just what you do with a podcast. Um, and you well, said first you, you, were, you were trying to clarify if it was really me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I, I'm very paranoid when anyone that is remotely, you know, in the industry likes or retweets because it doesn't happen often and we love it <laughs> well, so well, we, and and i have nothing that's you know verified or whatever on social media so i, I get it <laughs> right yeah but i looked at your your instagram and and uh, there's so many you, you post so many great videos that i'm like okay well this has to be her the only i think the <laughs> other um celebrity that we got really excited about was we did a movie of uh, review of Kuso. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a terrible movie. <laughs> it's a gr- it's a great okay. it's a great movie. And uh, I, I I know Cujo. I don't know Cuso. Right, Cuso. You could skip it. Um, but the the director of that uh, Flying Lotus retweeted us or or liked it cool. as well. Anyways, so we got a couple questions for you. Uh, we'd love to know more about your experience on the Grudge and and your other film experiences um let me just get started out uh and say i've been following you on instagram at tara underscore westwood and it seems like you had a lot of fun while in makeup for the grudge did you like messing with people while in makeup i did i mean it was a hoot at first you know when we first started they were very careful i was especially wanting to be extremely careful about my zoe who plays my daughter in the film i I didn't want her to see when we were kind of doing makeup tests, I didn't want her to see me because she was, you know, obviously she's very young and it was scary. And I knew that she hadn't read the full script because she's, she was eight. Um, so I didn't want her to see me initially. And then she kept saying, I can see you. I, I, it'll, it'll be okay. I can see you. I can see you. I want to see you. And then she saw me and she was like, that's a little scary. And I was like, it's a little scary. And she said, but I look like you because she had the same makeup. And I said, yeah, so we're just making a movie. And then it went from like, it's a little scary to we'd be, you know, having penne pasta at lunch break laughing in our in our full, you know, wardrobe and, and makeup that we couldn't take off in between. And it was fine. The only one that really couldn't look at me was Betty Gilpin. She, really? she just like <laughs> literally couldn't. She doesn't like horror movies. When we film the scene, there's one scene. I don't I don't know. I don't want to give away stuff that for people that haven't seen it. But there's a scene where I'm in uh, I'm in the. It sounds a little weird, but I'm in the bedroom with John and Betty, their characters. And uh, when we were filming that, she literally just kept saying, I can't look at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't. Uh, it, that almost sounds like a benefit to not like horror movies and be the protagonist in a horror movie. Because your reactions right. <laughs> could be a lot more genuine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's cool. So was it uh, easier to get in character while in makeup? Yeah, I mean... W- it's funny, like we, you don't really, I don't know that it really comes across, but Nick Pesh, our director, who's just such a great guy, he really wanted uh, Fiona to come from a super emotional place. So everyone was so respectful and I'd kind of go into, you know, 30, it went from like, I need a five minute warning to a minute warning to like a 30 second warning of just getting into a certain kind of emotional place ahead of time so that you could see um, that there was some trauma and stuff. I know that there'll be stuff in the Blu-ray that, that that'll show even more. And, uh, you know, there's a scene where I'm on top of Lin Shay and I'm, I'm, I'm drooling into her mouth and it would be funny because we, in between stuff, we would be, we would be laughing so hard and then we'd be okay. We're, we're 30 seconds away. So I would have to go to that dark place and the tears would start flowing. And then I'd open my mouth and the FX guys would pour this horrible stuff in my mouth. (laughs) 
So you go, there was a lot of laughter on set and there was a lot of my, you know, preparing like a crazy person uh, in between things. Hey, um, Tara, I would, I'd just like to say that you're easily the, the most beautiful uh, interviewee we've had on. And I was just wondering, are you, are you like, are you married or are you single? <laughs> I am not married nor single. I'm, I, uh, I have a guy. Oh, okay. Um, right. I have, a, I have a guy We're we're not getting married, but I, I, uh, I've got a guy, I've got a guy that I live with. <laughs> okay. Thank you All though. Right. That's very kind. I think you've probably only interviewed men. Uh, uh, well, no, yeah. no, no. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you haven't listened to the whole catalog of horror movie talk, Tara? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so, okay, David, just kind of be respectful, all right? Oh, just, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I can, I I can tr- hear you blushing over, the, trying, over this. It's so I funny. I was trying to be respectful. So I see that you were born in Manitoba, and The Grudge was filmed in Winnipeg. Were you able to visit your old stomping grounds while doing the production? I was. I was. I was able to see some family, which was nice. Um, but it was like I was, because I'm Canadian, I'm just so, you know, I'm, I'm crazy about being respectful about things. And I wouldn't tell anyone in my family. I mean, nobody knew what character I was playing because I signed more than one NDA. And I wouldn't tell anyone. They knew I was there filming The Grudge, and that was all that they knew. And one day I had been filming kind of all day, and then at the, in the evening I went, uh, took off my makeup, got showered uh, at the location, went straight to a family barbecue, and I was sitting there, and all of a sudden I looked down, and there was a ton of, like, dried blood that I had somehow missed when I, when I showered on the inside of my leg. And I just <laughs> I looked down, and I was like, oh. Guys, I'll be right back. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, hey, I have a question for you. What, what's your What's your favorite gift to receive from adoring fans? Oh my goodness, my favorite gift to receive from adoring fans. Um, there's so many jokes I could make right now. <laughs> <laughs> Go for any of them, by, uh, by all means. I haven't really received gifts from adoring fans. How would you feel about flowers? What about like, what about like, you know, a big bouquet of flowers? Roses? Okay, David. Is this... I'm sorry. Which color are you going to go for? Because I think there's meaning behind the color, too. Like, red means one thing over red, over white. I think it's obviously... Are you going for like love? Yeah, it has to be. I mean, well, I'm just asking, like, what color do you prefer? You know, like, is, is is red the way to go? Or Tara, or I mean, it's a it's a good color. It brings out my eyes. Well, then obviously, I mean, I guess our fans <laughs> okay should get, right. should get you red. All right. Um, no. So there's there's a lot the of grudge. Di- the grudge. Yeah, the grudge. Come on, David. Um, Sorry. So focus. There's a lot of different storylines in the grudge. Which one resonated with you the most? Well, when I first read it. I really love that this wasn't just a we want to scare you the whole time kind of horror movie. And, you know, Nick wanted to write a movie about adult themes and really take you down that kind of ride. And, and he does. I, I cried a few times when I read it. You know, I think that that Lynn Shay's storyline with Frankie, you know, about her having severe dementia or, or Alzheimer's is, you know, I feel like so many of us know someone in our lives that have experienced that. And I, I personally, um, I'm actually about to do another movie about assisted suicide. So that whole storyline really resonated with me. And then I also, 
I mean, I cried when I read the the John Show Betty Gilpin storyline. I uh, so much of it, you know, and then and I was also a single mom, so a lot of it really resonated with me, to be honest with you. But what I loved about it is that they're just such adult themes, and also that they are shown nonlinear. And you know, Sam Raimi said at Comic Con when they presented clips of the movie that you know people have to pay attention, and he assumed that people were going to be able to be smart and, and do that. And I, and I think for the most part that, that they did, I like that. It's that it's a little challenging. Like I told all my friends, don't get up for popcorn in it, or you're going to come back and you're going to be confused. And I just like, uh, yeah, I, I liked all of them to be honest with you, but probably the Lynn Shay, Frankie Faison one, especially tugged at my heart. I, I really was, that was one of the things that I was most impressed about with the movie was it had, I don't know, four, I, I can't recall, four or five different storylines, and all of them were treated so well, and all of them made perfect sense, and I was never I was never lost. I never got up to go to the bathroom or get popcorn or anything like that, so um, that's probably a good thing for me. But th- that was, like, one of the strongest points about The Grudge to me was it handled, like, four or five different storylines that were all compelling and really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it it dealt with some deep um, issues to where, I mean, there was the horror of the, the horror movie, which was, mm-hmm. you know, scary ghosts. <laughs> and then there was the horror of just, you know, regular life dealing with horrible, horrible situations like Alzheimer's or, um, you know, loss in your family and, and all that. So, um, yeah, I, we really loved the movie and, and we're um, happy that we got to see it. Um, Thank you. I mean, and, and it, on the Blu-ray that's coming out, I don't know exactly, excuse me, what's going to be on the Blu-ray, but you know, there's a scene again, I don't want to give it away for people that haven't seen it yet, but there's a scene where I do something really horrific to my daughter. And in the movie that made it to the theaters, it's a, you see that for a second. It's like a, a quick glimpse. But when we filmed it, and I, I, I suspect there might be more of that in the Blu-ray. I'm not sure, you know, in the deleted scenes, when we filmed it, it was, hours and hours of filming that scene and it was so hard and the first take we had a I, I won't out anyone here and I don't think he would mind actually but we had a major crew member get up and leave because it was just I'm, what I'm wow. doing is so terrible and if if you're a parent to watch me do that because you know you're in the moment you're really doing it and it's just like this is my daughter that I love so much and I you can't fathom ever 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 doing something like that to someone and it was uh yeah certain scenes were, were hard to film yeah, I bet it's. Um, I mean, if and if you're doing your job correctly, obviously, then it is going to make people, you know, upset. So that's kind of a testament to your work, I think. Um, you know, so I mean, you're obviously beautiful and in in great shape, and uh, and currently I'm in a weight loss bet with one of my friends, and I was just wondering if there's anything that you would suggest I do to you know to try to, you know to try and. <laughs> try and get in shape uh oh it's funny i mean people often ask me that question i i honestly think doing something every single day is is uh critical you, people always say to me i don't i don't have time to work out if you've got 20 minutes you've got time like you in their heads they, they inflate the amount that you have to go i have to go for an hour to the gym no you don't before i, I i've got rehearsal the rest of the day tonight today and then a dinner. So I knew that after we spoke, I wouldn't be able to work out. So I went to the gym just now for 25 minutes. It was just 25 minutes, but your body then, you know, it keeps it going. And that's what I tell people to do. Try not to eat too late, which is something I struggle with a little bit. 
and uh, exercise every day. Somehow. I, that's that's great. That's great. I sh- I just would like to point out though. I I'm already a strong man. Like I'm I'm very I'm very bulky. So it's just hard for you know to, you know, to bring the, the weight down. Okay. When you, All right, David. Uh, when you have so many gains, it's, you don't. Have, no excuses, David. Okay. Um. So yeah, we we love the grudge, and we definitely want to talk about that. But I was looking at some of your other experience and some of your upcoming movies coming out, and I had a couple questions about those. Um, but one of them was just, what is the biggest difference between working on a small budget horror film like Hell Girl versus a big budget production like Studio Production like The Grudge? Well, you know, I thought that because I've done so many independent films, there's a movie I did called The Karma Club that's on Amazon, or there's a movie I produced on Amazon called Detours, and they were both like extremely small extremely small budget films where everyone's wearing multiple hats and you just kind of come together and work as a team and it is what it is and you get through it and it's it's a bonding experience. And I thought being on a studio film, it would lack that. I was sure that it was just going to be a different kind of feel. And I was completely shocked that it wasn't. And I think what it is is that everyone, every single cast and crew member on the grudge was at the top of their game and they as opposed to having to wear different hats because there's no budget, everyone just wanted to collaborate and work together in such a beautiful way that it still had that exact same feeling as the tiny budget film that I, you know, shot a year and a half ago. And I was incredibly pleasantly surprised by that. You know, the difference is there's a scene, there's a scene, again, I don't know what I'm allowed to say NDA wise, but there's a scene that you (laughs) see in the trailer where I'm, where someone, <laughs> anyway, where I'm, where something's maybe being cut, and 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 it, I don't know if it's in the in the actual Blu-ray or not. But the point is, I'm on set, and I'm like, it'd be really great to hear what this sounded like, wouldn't it? I'd love to be able to hear it. And I didn't mean like I need to hear this in order to shoot this. I just was talking out loud, like, like of course I can act. I don't need to hear something that I'm doing. Like, say for example, right. I'm opening a bottle of champagne, which I wasn't doing, but let's say I was. I don't need to hear that popping sound because probably I've opened it ten times and it's not going to make that sound anymore. And they're adding it in post. But the point is, the the sound guys heard me say that. And little did I know that the next two hours was spent with people going to go to a store, buy what was needed, (laughs) find a place to make those sounds, and then come to my my dressing room and be like, "Um, Tara, we've we've got the sounds that you requested. I'm like, sounds? What do you mean? I didn't request anything. And then they played it for me. It was just unbelievable. Right away, I was like, gosh, I hope no one thinks I actually requested for that. That's not who I am. Like, I would never be like, I need to hear that sound. (laughs) That but, Tara Westwood, she's such difference. a diva. <laughs> she's such a witch. <laughs> I was like, Nick, I didn't ask for that. <laughs> so I, I but a... overall, I would say it was surprisingly similar in a in a great way. Awesome. I have a question for you, Tara. Which which horror movie would you say is the best to make out to? <laughs> well, which is your favorite? Oh well, I mean, I, th- this is about you, you know. This is your interview. I'd say, but I'd say, uh-huh. oh boy, I don't know. I, I guess Brain Dead, maybe. I don't know. What, what do you think? Darn, I, I missed that one. I'm gonna have to Brain Dead, huh? I'm gonna have to add that to my list. Yeah. Um, the best movie to make out to, I guess. You know, it depends on the audience, and if someone's afraid of devils and you're going to want them to cuddle up to you you might want to play the exorcist i don't know there you go okay nothing nothing (laughs) like the uh the the crucifix scene from the exorcist to get you going 
nothing like the pea soup to just make you go, oh. kiss me, baby, kiss me. <laughs> um, uh, okay, I'm going to edit myself on, on that. Um, so, uh, so speaking, we mentioned Hell Girl. I just watched it yesterday, um, and that was a really fun movie. I was just wondering what it was like to work with Tom Sizemore. We were all a little nervous before he showed up on set. And I don't know why. Like, I think I would be. I, I, <laughs> there's a lot of stories around Tom Sizemore. And the reality is this is a guy that is a phenomenal actor. So when he first showed up, he and I were sitting at, at lunch at one end of the table. And then the entire rest of the cast was sitting on the other end. And we're both parents and we were talking about parenting and and it was just so funny. We're discussing things like that. And I have no filter. So I was asking pretty straightforward questions. And he seemed a little surprised at some of the things that I was asking. And the rest of the cast was down there going, I can't believe she's, she's doing that. And then the reality is we got along, we got along great. And to work with this guy, um, he's a really freaking good actor. So, you know, whatever, whatever madness has happened in his life, at the end of the day, that guy knows how to act. So that's, that's what I'll say. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I was looking at some other stuff that's coming out or in the works right now. The The Honeymoon Phase looks really interesting. That was a, a film that was voted on by Shudder and, and um, people that there was a pitch for it. And it looks like it's in making yeah. the festival circuit right now. Are you um, involved in going around to festivals promoting that right now? I'm not. I mean when you talk about like grudge and an independent film, that's like the exact opposite right. end as far as the spectrum goes. And if there was something in New York, I would certainly go and support it. There just hasn't been. So I haven't been able to like, like I'm not going to fly myself to Texas to do that and put myself up. And that's what it's been. And right. my part in that just doesn't support it. I have a very, very small part in that film. So oh, okay. um, there was, there was one scene between me and Francois Chow, actually, whom, whom I loved working with. Talk about a nice guy. And, uh, it got cut from the film. Unfortunately, I'm hoping at some point if they do a Blu-ray or something, it'll come out. But other than that, I'm, I'm, I, uh, definitely a supporting character in that film. Um, Hey Tara, we, but it's a fun, it's a fun little horror. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to check it out. Um, uh, I have a question for, Oh, well first, before we want to be respectful of your time. Um, I don't, we only have a few more questions left for you, but, uh, but do, do you have to, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. leaving for this for rehearsal. We're good. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, cool. Um, well, I just like to, I really, my last question isn't, is not really a question. It's just kind of an offer. If you ever, if you ever need, a, <laughs> I'm just saying if you're ever in, in the Portland, Oregon or, you know, South, Southwestern Washington area, you know, horror movie talk is happy to, you know, to give you a place to stay. We're, we'll put you oh. up. No problem. Oh, so like I could I could say that I could be hired as a local now in Portland if someone's filming something. I'll be like, guys, I'm good. I'm a local. I've got a place to stay. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have a, wow. I have a guest That's... room. It's right next to my room. It's a it's a great. Room. That is just so generous of you. Thank you. So generous. I know. Wow. <laughs> help you. Help me. Help you. That's right. really nice. I I'm a I can I can cook eggs like you wouldn't believe. Okay, David. All right. This is embarrassing. 
All right, so <laughs> I got I got two two more questions. So one of your next films that's currently in in post production is Blackjack the Jackie Ryan story. Um, yeah, an, I love that one. A, another one, another person that I'm curious what was what it was like working with. Uh, what was it like to work with David Arquette? What oh, yeah. a funny guy. He yeah. he is just. He's a he's a funny guy, you know. He's so passionate about so many things. Like he's, you talk about wrestling, and his whole body changes the second you mention it. He's just so passionate. You talk about his kids. You talk about life. Like this is a guy that just is filled with life. And uh, it was funny on set with him because some of the crew members kept saying to me, "Oh, you look just like Courtney Cox." And I was like, it, uh, "Stop, stop saying that!" Like I don't know how he's going to feel about that. <laughs> Is, I don't think we need to keep saying that. Is he but really he huge? Totally, right? Is he really like buff right now? Is he just absolutely jacked up? Jacked up? He's in he's in good shape. I mean, I don't know that he's huge, but he's definitely buff, and he's you know he's into I, he's a wrestler, right? So he's definitely in good shape, and he's yeah, he was really nice to work with, and just about everyone. Greg Finley, who plays uh, Blackjack Ryan, you know, it's a movie about this amazing streetballer. And Greg Finley is also in great shape. Everyone was. He he is such a good basketball player. And there was a lot of, you know, joking and physical stuff going on on set. So, yeah, everyone was in, sh- in shape. But David Arquette is a nice guy and a really good actor to work with. I can't, he's he's one of my favorites. I, I, I listen to the Stern show, and I catch him every time he's on Stern. He's hilarious. I love him. Yeah, it seems I like he... Say, I, love, I love the Stern show, too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, David Arquette seems like he he ranges from really fun and funny to absolutely insane at times. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would accept that that, that oh, yeah, description. He, I think he fully accepts that description. I think he he kind of embraces yeah. it. Um, yeah. And the last thing, I'm just curious what you're working on. I know you mentioned you're in rehearsals for stuff. Like, uh, what, what's in the works for Tara? Uh, well, besides maybe going to Portland for a movie soon. Um, yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, you're, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, I, uh, I'm doing a movie right now about assisted suicide, which is, as I mentioned earlier, it's a topic that I, you know, I was with my, not to go dark here, but I was with my father when, when he died and he'd been ill for a very long time. And it was really, really, really hard to see him go through that. And, uh, the movie that we're doing is not about assisted suicide for physical reasons. It's, a little controversial because it's assisted suicide for mental illness, Mm -hmm. um, like severe mental illness. And I know that there are a couple countries in the world that do that, like Canada, for example, where I'm from, you can do assisted suicide. However, you have to be of sound mind the day that it happens. So anyone with dementia or Alzheimer's, you're out. If you've got, say, cancer, but you need to be on meds that that take you out of it, you're out. Uh, Mental illness, by nature, you're not of sound mind. So it's that's what this movie is about. It's a it's a light, fluffy musical. No, I'm kidding. It's, but it's about assisted <laughs> <laughs> suicide. <laughs> so it's a romantic comedy. <laughs> it's a romantic comedy about assisted suicide. I right. gotta say that sounds that sounds particularly like apropos. Um, like I I can't believe that the first there's I feel like movies that touch on these really like kind of hard hitting but real um, kind of dramatic subjects are are just starting to come out now. Do you know, I, I didn't realize that I had never seen a movie specifically about divorce until I watched, what was it, The Marriage Story? Marriage Story. Yeah. Marriage Story, really? I, I'd never, 
I don't think I can't recall a movie that's about divorce. That's, well, I mean, and, Kramer versus Kramer. I mean, yeah, one of Kramer my versus Kramer. Ever. Like there, yeah, there's Kramer versus Kramer, and that one's very much about like custody. But I mean, yeah. the the generic story about the worst type of divorce ever, like that's what a marriage story is about. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. but all I'm trying to say is, I mean, the, the assisted suicide is is another one of those things where it's like, boy, that's uh, this is kind of rife for for drama and also for you know something that we should probably be just be discussing because I mean, talking let's face about it, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's one of those things. Well, well it's interesting because my direct my my writer director of that movie is not wanting when he does like the elevator pitch of it, he doesn't mention the assisted suicide of aspect of it. He's like, it's about these these two women who are friends and blah, blah, blah. And he doesn't want to give that away. And I'm like, but that's what the movie is really kind of about. And you do, it's a hot button topic. You know, yeah. people are talking about that right now. Like it's literally the reason why I signed on. It's a, it's a short film and it's literally why I wanted to do it. I don't, I didn't need to do a movie about uh, two friends, but assisted suicide. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk with us, Tara. Uh, we really love The Grudge. We hope our listeners go see it if they haven't already. It's still in theaters. I know it just got released in like the UK and, and uh, New Zealand and a bunch of other places around the world in the, within the last week or so. So um, definitely go see The Grudge and check out some of Tara's independent movies. Like I know the, the one you produced was Detours, right? Detours, yeah, and then the Karma Club is again tiny little budget, but what a good script! What a what a great little script, and that's on Amazon as well. And also follow Tara on Instagram at Tara underscore Westwood, and then on Twitter, I think it's just Tara Westwood, right? Or uh, let me see, I should know that. Ta- I think Tara <laughs> underscore Westwood. It's uh, oh on on yeah. Twitter, it's Ms. Ms. Tara Westwood. That's right. That's what it is. That's right. Is there anything else you, you want to promote while you're on here? No, I mean, Jackie Ryan's coming out summer 2020. Uh, check that out. I've got a couple episodes that will be coming up of um, a Showtime show, but I actually just realized I can't even discuss that yet. So, nope, nothing else. Thank you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Tara. And that's Tara Westwood, everyone. Hooray! Yay! Let's go on to a new game that I like to call... Finicked or Fication? Fication. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. I realized that Finicked, it would probably be better as Finiction. Right. Finiction. But Fication. Like, doesn't really work. Um, Okay. There's several ways I can go with this game, and I haven't really decided. This has something to do with Nick Cage. Here is... A list of facts about Nick Cage. Okay, and I have and to you have to tell me whether it's, it's true or false. Finicked or Fication. Okay, this feels very Billy Eichner. Okay, Billy on the street. Nicholas Cage was born Nicholas Coppola, and he decided to change his name after actors resented him because his uncle was the renowned director, Francis Ford Coppola. Wow. Finicked or Fication? Which one? Finicked is true? Yes. That's a fact. 
Uh, wow, I would be surprised if that was two, so I'm going to go with Facaction. See, these games are great because you don't know trivia very well. Me? This is a well-known fact. See, I he don't. Is, he, is, he is related. His original name is Coppola. Nicholas, <laughs> Nicholas Coppola. And that's completely true. Who's his? Who, Cop, Francis Ford Coppola is his uncle. Uncle. So okay. he's the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola and um, uh, nephew also of Francis Ford Coppola's famous wife, Talia Shire. These games are great, David, because you're stupid. I mean, I'm not going to say that, but, you know, no, I think, I think, uh, you did great. You did great. Okay. Thanks. Second fact, he chose. You're so smart. Also related to his last name. He chose Cage as his last name because he was inspired by the African-American comic book superhero, Luke Cage. Okay. So I think that's going to be finicked. That's going to be true. That is correct. Ah, because you probably do know that he's a comic book fanatic. I did not know that. I just, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm not very smart. I'm just smart enough to know how you work. <laughs> okay. Um, I've got so many of these. They're so great. Okay. So I'm, I'm one for two. So one for two. Um, okay. Oh, so another f- fact about him, I'll just tell you like, he has like action comics number one. Like he has a huge, wow. complete, like super valuable comic book collection, and it got stolen. <gasps> oh, and they no. found it. They found it like years later in like in Oregon somewhere. Wow. So yeah, but he had Action Comics number one. Like wow. he is the one of the most valuable comics in the world. Germany. Um. Okay. Another one. Finicked or Fication. When he was four. He would have the re- reoccurring dream in which he was on the toilet and a giant blonde genie woman in a gold bikini would reach into his bathroom window like King Kong and pluck him off the toilet and laugh at him. That is so specific that it I could not have come out of you. That is finicked. <laughs> True. Great. It is finicked. I am two, four, three. He once had a pet octopus. That is finicked. Uh, Catch for cage-tion. That's finicked. That's also finicked. Dang. Uh, he had a pet octopus. Uh-huh. I guess if you're the, if you're the uh, what you call it, the nephew of of Francis Ford Coppola, you can get anything from yeah. a pet. Um, here's, so now here, these are a couple. These are a couple quick ones. Okay. Uh, he bought a stolen T Rex skull. That's finicked. That's finicked. He owns an Egyptian mummy. That's got to be finicked. That's fication. Fication. Those back-to-back, like, how would you know which yeah. one of those is right? He owns a pet, pet octopus, a T-Rex skull, and an Egyptian mummy. If you get one of those, any of them are likely. A cage, uh, was he, is he the one who's recently, I, I know Johnny Depp has recently gone v- f- fairly destitute, but is Cage also had some financial troubles recently? I don't think so i haven't heard about johnny depp either oh johnny depp yeah he just spends he's his spending habits are un uh, uh, un, is it gambling addiction or something no no he just he just you know he'll just spend 40 40 grand in a day no problem yeah i mean even though like he's got more money than god probably no he's no he's pretty pretty broke all right compared to what he should have he's has basically Hmm. nothing um okay Let's keep rolling. He once slept in the ruins of Dracula's castle. So what was that movie? 
what was that movie where he plays a, a vampire? Uh, Kiss of the Vampire. Kiss of the Vampire. He, I would not put it past him to do his homework and, and do something like that. Uh, I'm going to say that's finicked. It's finicked. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't on the Kiss of Vampire, but it was some other movie that he was working on. That's so he did that to get in the mood. Man. Um, okay. I'll, I'll skip that one. Okay. Uh, Jim Carrey offered him a role in Dumb and Dumber, but he turned it down for a the part as an alcoholic in leaving Las Vegas. Wow. Um, I'm going to go finicked. I'm going to say that's true. That's true. Uh, he named one of his sons Kal-El after Superman's <laughs> Kryptonian name. <laughs> that is a move ballsy enough. <laughs> and I do know that Nick Cage was slated to play Superman. In a previous Superman movie, I do know that now I know that he's a, a, a comics fan, but this is the kind of thing that you would try and fuck with me on. So I'm going to say that's for cage, Jim. That's cruel. That's that's finicked. Wow. <laughs> he has a son named kal -El. Oh, my God. All right. Let's see. Uh, that's cruel to do to your child. Let's see if he can get this one. He named one of his daughters Zod. After Superman's Kryptonian nemesis. I'm just, just on principle, I'm going to say that's false. That's Fikachin. Yes, luckily that's Fikachin. Thank God. If you named your daughter Zod, you're a fucking monster and you should lose your kids. Um, fin uh, we're about halfway there. I love all of these. Like, okay, I want to get yeah, through no, all this, of them. This is interesting. Uh, Finicht or Fikachin. He sometimes wears two pairs of sunglasses. I think I've seen him wear two. I think Raising Arizona has him wearing two pairs of sunglasses, so I'm going to say Finicked. Yeah, that's Finicked. His favorite sandwich is roast lamb on white bread with a bit of mayonnaise and arugula. That's <laughs> so specific. How could it be any other, anything other than Finicked? It's Finicked. Uh, finicked or Fikachin? It's like, he's, it's like he's built his life around being as quirky as possible. <laughs> like, I'm not interesting enough. I need to be more interesting. He got a large back tattoo of a lizard in a top hat and cane. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that's finicked. It's finicked. <laughs> it's so great. This is just like an episode of Billy on the Street. Um, okay. During the shooting of Ghost Rider, on scenes where he transformed into Ghost Rider, he would act with a railroad spike up his rectum. Up his butt? Yeah, to get into character. Uh, I have such... Like, my face hurts from smiling. <laughs> See, this is great, because <laughs> you think you, you think about Nick Cage, and you're like, uh, anyone else, I, this would be hard I'll to determine. I'll say that's finicked. I'll say it's true. It's vacation. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you oh. know what is true? This is one that I skipped, was... In Birdie, he played a ladies' man who was severely wounded in Vietnam, and during production, he decided to get his teeth pulled so he could connect with some kind of physical pain. What? He pulled his teeth for a movie. All of them? I don't know if it's all of them. It just... I think it was like... I don't know. Oh I'm not sure. Oh, my God. But he did that. Oh, my so, God. So, I mean, if someone does that, that's a permanent 
damage thing. Like, stuffing a railroad spike up your rectum is like, oh, well, that's... That's easy peasy. Yeah, that's... I mean, I'm just not even trying on this one. Right. Okay. Um, let's see. Five more. Phenicterfication. He has already bought a nine-foot-tall stone pyramid to be buried in. I know that one to be phenicked. That one's phenicked. Yeah. Uh, he refuses to eat any living thing that has sex in a way that he doesn't find attractive. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you getting these from? <laughs> the internet. Yeah, but does this list already exist? You know, almost all of these facts are from interviews of him of him saying this this isn't even yeah, like oh i but heard someone's this compiled him. list yeah, right? yeah yeah okay uh <laughs> i'll say that's finicked he loves to watch th things that he'll eat have sex in a pleasing way uh-huh it's finicked <laughs> he refuses to have he f refuses to eat anything that has sex in an undignified manner what is undignified i don't know i think he he uh, mentioned as the the ones that he finds attractive is like birds and something else. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. It, um, Nick Cage has a penile bisection, which is a body modification procedure yeah. where the glands is split down the middle. Yeah. It can actually, I mean, if you go really extreme, it can go the full shaft. Yeah, the whole uh, all, uh, shaft deep. Yeah, I'm going to say that's facaction. Yeah, it's vacation. Okay. Like, uh, okay. Good. But honestly, you wouldn't put it past Nick Cage, would uh, you? Ah, you can't split your dick. Man, you gotta be a. You, you, uh, I don't want to think about it. Okay, two <laughs> more. Uh, he had a stalker that was a mime that would pantomime a number of weird actions during the shooting of Raising Arizona. <laughs> Finicked. I guess that's, that's true. That's yeah, That's true. true. Last one. He bought the most haunted mansion in the world so he could write a horror novel. That's got to be true. That's, That's got to be finished. Wow. What a fuck. So I of, definitely won that game. Out of all those insane facts, only four were false. Yeah. Out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Out of 20, only four. Wow. That's. This is the most crazy person you know at the end of your life though you want to be able to say you really lived and no one can accuse <laughs> nick cage of not already living a very full life this is true man all right thanks everyone for listening to the episode thanks especially to our patrons uh check it out if you haven't just out of pure curiosity go to patreon.com slash horror movie talk and see some of the perks that you might unlock exclusive content exclusive access to calendars and drops and other interactive elements and uh, I don't know David might take a picture of his balls and put it up there if that's what you're into yeah. tell us if that's what you're into yeah um, Please share the podcast with a friend. It's the only way we grow, and we're growing consistently. I know that, I guess this one, I can say last month was a record month for our podcast, and it's only because you share it and leave ratings for us on Apple I, Apple Podcasts so other people can find us um, and so we get more exposure. If you're going to shop on Amazon, go to HorrorMovieTalk.com, click through the button in the banner, even better if you bookmark it. 
we'll get a little taste. Um, that's no money. That's no skin off your back. You don't even have to do an outlay that you wouldn't normally. And that helps us out. Um, thanks again to our new patrons, Craig J, Tanya M, and Don B, and our Swedish mascot, Magnus. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you all. We appreciate you very much. And as always, uh, I'll try a new outro. Stay spooky! <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> From